Así que no te me ponga majadero Porque yo vengo con apetito de obrero A comerme a cualquiera que venga a robarme lo mío Yo soy el Napoleón del caserío Oye, esto se lo dedico a los que trabajan con un sueldo bajito Pa' darle de comer a sus pollitos Yo quiero a mi barrio como Tito Quiere a Caimito Yo no lucho por un terreno pavimentado Ni por metros cuadrados Ni por un sueño dorado Yo lucho por un paisaje bien perfumado Y por un buen plato de vista encebollado Por la sonrisa de mi madre que vale un millón Lucho por mi abuela meciéndose en su sillón Lucho por unos pinchos al carbón Y por lo bonito que se ve la perla desde un avión Oye, dile Allá abajo en el hueco, en el boquete, nacen flores por ramillete, casita de colores con la ventana abierta, vecina de la playa, puerta con puerta, aquí yo tengo de todo, no me falta nada, tengo la noche que me sirve de sábana. Tengo los mejores paisajes del cielo, tengo una neverita repleta de cerveza con hielo. Allá abajo en el hueco, en el boquete, nacen flores por ramillete, casita de colores con la ventana abierta, de la playa, puerta con puerta que yo tengo de todo, no me falta nada, tengo la noche que me sirve de sábana, tengo los mejores paisajes del cielo, tengo una neverita repleta de cerveza con hielo, oye Bravo 107.7, your community radio station, also streaming live online at wvew.org. And this is Anna for Indigo Radio, deepening understanding, making connections. We are on the air every Sunday at 1 p.m. and we replay on Mondays at 2. We are a group of educators seeking to learn through engaging with others in our community and throughout the world. You can also find us on Facebook at Indigo Radio. We're on Twitter and on Instagram. And this show today will be recorded and uploaded to our SoundCloud and iTunes. The views and opinions expressed on this program are those of the hosts and guests, not the radio station. And today we are airing an interview that I did last week with Cynthia Espinoza. She is the executive director of Nueva Esperanza, a community development organization dedicated to meeting the needs of the Puerto Rican and Afro-Caribbean community in Holyoke. And the song that I just played opening the show was Calle Trece with La Perla. Before we get to the interview, we want to say Happy May Day. It is May 1st. I'm going to read something from Rosa Luxemburg. In a speech from 1894, What are the Origins of May Day? Which is, of course, commonly known as a Workers' Day, but I did not know this as I was reading this this morning, that it was first born in Australia. I'm going to read this from her speech. She writes, The happy idea of using a proletarian holiday celebration as a means to attain the eight-hour day was first born in Australia. The workers there decided in 1856 to organize a day of complete stoppage together with meetings and entertainment as a demonstration in favor of the eight-hour day. The day of this celebration was to be April 21st, 
At first, the Australian workers intended this only for the year 1856, but this first celebration had such a strong effect on the proletarian masses of Australia, enlivening them and leading to new agitation that it was decided to repeat the celebration every year. The first to follow the example of the Australian workers were the Americans. In 1886, they decided that May 1st should be the day of universal work stoppage. On this day, 200,000 of them left their work and demanded the eight-hour day. Later, police and legal harassment prevented the workers for many years from repeating this demonstration. However, in 1888, they renewed their decision and decided that the next celebration would be May 1st, 1890. The 1st of May demanded the introduction of the eight-hour day. But even after this goal was reached, May Day was not given up. As long as the struggle of the workers against the bourgeois and the ruling class continues, as long as all demands are not met, May Day will be the yearly expression of these demands. And when better days dawn, when the working class of the world has won its deliverance, then to humanity will probably celebrate May Day in honor of the bitter struggles and the many sufferings of the past. That was an excerpt from Rosa Luxemburg's speech, What Are the Origins of May Day in 1894? So happy May Day, happy workers' struggle to all the workers across the world as they continue to, to fight. And with that, we are going to go into my interview with Cynthia from Nueva Esperanza, a community development organization in Holyoke, Massachusetts. Thanks for joining us today. Suavemente, bésame, que quiero sentir tus labios besándome otra vez. Suavemente, bésame, que quiero sentir tus labios besándome otra vez. Suave, bésame, bésame, suave, bésame otra vez. Yo quiero sentir tus labios Cuando tú me 
All right, that was uh, Elvis Crespo, Suavemente, and I, this is Anna for Indigo. So let me try this. This is again with Cynthia um, from Nueva Esperanza in Holyoke. My name is uh, Cynthia Espinosa Marrero. I'm the executive director of Nueva Esperanza Inc. in Holyoke. Tell us a bit about Nueva Esperanza, yeah. um, the history of it and the work that you do. Yeah, so Nueva Esperanza, uh, was founded in 1982 uh, as a community development or, uh, corporation, or CDC. And this was really looking at um, our neighborhood of South Holyoke, which we're, we're located at currently. Back in the eight, early 80s, um, a lot of tenants were having a lot of issues with their housing, including arson happening, fires. It's a whole story about Holyoke fires in the 80s. You know, a lot of their buildings were not up to code in some way, shape, or form. And community organizers decided to create this CDC to buy the properties that these tenants and community members and themselves were in some way um, living to be able to take ownership. Well, that meant that three of our, you know, three founders came together, made it official through the state, ended up buying property on, in South Holyoke. And from there, really became a property management organization. But that's just one thing. Now that you have community, have secure housing, now we could take a look of what other needs have. So with that, it became, um, the agency was one of the first nonprofits here, um, mostly like really catered towards um, the Hispanic, Latino, Latinx population of Folioke, which has increased. The most recent data, uh, which is always skewed because not everybody wants to take the census, right? Um, there's a lot of, still a lot of fear or, or things when it comes to data and all that. But currently our Latinas or Hispanic population is 53, close to 54% of our city, um, which is a pretty high number and it keeps increasing and then is it largely per weekend? Is so it's right? largely, so out of that 54%, I want to say maybe about 90, 95 oh, wow. yeah, are really Puerto high. Rican, um, or identify as Puerto Rican. We do have other communities um, from the Caribbean, like Dominican. Um, we have a pretty large Colombian community, um, and then other, other communities as well. Um, and obviously, we also do have some Native American individuals or families here. Uh, in the city, so it's pretty. It's pretty large. Um, and this agency, you know, back in the '80s and '90s, really saw a way how to continue to give services to our um, a community. So part of that became of creating programs for youth. Um, we had two youth programs. They're pretty popular. One of us, Alcoiris, um, in which many of the the youth created artwork. So if you walk around the alleyways of South Holyoke, you'll see some murals um, that were created by the youth. They did a lot of other, you know, comic book and related artwork um, when it comes to things that were happening, you know, when it comes to like teen drinking or pregnancy or all that stuff. And then Youth Build, there was a partnership in the past too, which helped uh, either build or renovate housing in the area. Mm. Are those two still in existence? They do not. So oh, this okay. was back back in like, you know, 90s, early okay. 2000. 
I would say it was an example of community leadership. Mm-hmm. So many community leaders of Holyoke of the area were connected to Nueva, whether this was their first employment or they got to, you know, be involved and volunteer. And many of them now are, you know, out in the world making a change. Mm-hmm. Um, so I always give an example. We have board members that were staff in the past. I know many community members in the area that were part of the youth program, um, including our mayor <laughs> in the past, mm-hmm. Mayor Garcia, who was part of the Alcoides program. So, so we became a place of um, almost like growing leaders in some way, <laughs> shape or form at the same time and really help out shape um, the other agencies um, by agencies nonprofit here, like Nuestra Raices and Enlace de Familia. So, so we do have a lot of history, a lot of um, tension, it's all of it. Yeah. <laughs> we have the good, the bad, the beautiful, the complex um, here. And it's really an honor to coming on this new ver- version. You know, people say like Nueva 4.0, Nueva 5.0, whatever they want to call it. But it's really it's really looking at now, what are the needs of the community and what are, what can we do? Yeah, like 2015 through now, you know, our, the board then, you know, did a, strategic plan and really wanted to focus on how to support and sustain the vibrancy and the powerful Puerto Rican Afro-Caribbean community in Holyoke. And that is through different programs like when it's youth development, um, you know, cultural events and history and housing. Like how can we continue to make sure that the properties that we do own are continuing to be stellar? Mm-hmm. Um, we're known in the community where so everybody has a, a connection to Nueva in some way, shape, or form. Um, and we, we love that. And it's yeah. a lot of work as well. Yeah, <laughs> but, you know, today we're, I'm sort of as an ED coming in, I'm just here. This is my fourth month or so, fourth or fifth month. Um, it's been really exciting to see more internally how we create systems um, to almost honor that leadership that mm-hmm. was created. Because... We have really great staff um, and volunteers that come in, and I, you know, eventually we all want to make sure that people succeed. Yeah. Um, and I want to start it with my staff, <laughs> and then and also the community at the same time and partners. So, so we have what we call signature events. Signature events are like, you know, these are nuevas hot events. Yeah. <laughs> I forgot the term. <laughs> This is where we're good at. This is like what the community knows us at. Mm-hmm. So Noche San Juan is a festival that's in the summer. It's actually coming up in June, June 25th. <laughs> Everybody should come over. Uh, <laughs> um, and this is really a celebration of John Baptist's the birth. Uh, I mean, every celebration that we realize it has some religious connection. I think mm-hmm. that ties into the history of our colonialism and culture and in Puerto Rico so Noche San Juan is usually close to the summer solstice too Mm -hmm. so it's like a way to celebrate the summer Um, that's another way that I am saying and it ties in with water so usually around midnight in Puerto Rico people go to the beach have a party then at midnight um, they dive backwards in the beach 12 times so like wash away the negativity and like welcome this new season 
Um, and we could joke, we don't have beaches in Holyoke. <laughs> Uh, we do have canals. We never encourage that <laughs> at all. <laughs> there was a, a running joke with, I had with a former supervisor. He's like, well, we have canals. Do we want people to swim? No, we do not. <laughs> but we are planning a festival with water activities, right? So we will have a water slide for kids and everybody. We're looking to have, we're going to have a dunking tank uh, to dunk the infamous of Holyoke. <laughs> Just to have fun and all the proceeds for that dunking tank, you know, probably it would be like a dollar, a ball, whatever. We'll go to the Palante Restorative Justice Group, which is a youth program out of the high school that is sort of about social justice and really led by the youth. And yeah, we have music, food, you know, a little bit of everything, a car show um, as well. So we wanted to make it a big summer festival. Mm -hmm. And we're being very intentional in hosting it in South Holyoke, which is sort of where our roots started. Um, and for our community, there's a lot of other events throughout the city. And this is sort of where we like, we're going to do it in our neighborhood here. Three Kings Day, um, very famous <laughs> in Holyoke. Uh, we've been doing Three Kings Day celebration for 22 years now, um, in which we have families sign up and we give out free toys for that. Usually, I think in the Puerto Rican community and Caribbean community, Three Kings is pretty popular um, during the like a holiday and Christmas time as well, but Three Kings is celebrated even more. So we give out toys. This past year, we give out free food as well in the partnership with Holyoke Safe Neighborhood Initiative and we'll continue to give out resources like that and it's mm -hmm. a fun celebration. We had we had the three kings also dressed up, you know, come on, come in and take pictures, which had really great volunteers to help out and do that. And then Latinx Heritage Month, um, sort of changing the version from Hispanic Heritage Month to Latinx to be a little more inclusive and really focus on Latin America. So that is September 15th through October 15th. We always um, partner and host events around how to promote the Latino, Latinx uh, culture. So this year, um, <clears throat> throughout the month, we're hoping to do like once a week events or um, promote other events that are happening throughout the city or the area. So with that, we're looking to uh, partner with the Holyoke Mall to host the Latinx Heritage Month Day there at the mall, which is really exciting. We're looking to do some movie nights for the families to watch Encanto, which is a hit <laughs> everywhere. I'm obsessed with that movie. <laughs> and in representation, because it really is a movie that really represented uh, a lot of the Latinx culture. And it's just beautiful. Yeah. We all love it. I'm obsessed with it. And we're looking to do some poetry night, potentially, um, as well, partner with others to do more events around that. Mm -hmm. Cynthia Espinoza that you were listening to uh, from Nueva Esperanza in Holyoke, which is a community development organization. They do a lot for the Puerto Rican and Afro-Caribbean community in that area. And she was talking a lot about the history of Nueva and, uh, sorry, we, we got a lot of background noise here. <laughs> oh, that is the joy of community radio in downtown, busy downtown Brattleboro. All right, we're going to go to another song. Uh, again, this is Anna for Indigo Radio, and we're going to go to Celia Cruz, Te Busco. Mm -hmm. 
al cielo una mirada larga buscando un poco de mi vida mis estrellas no responden para alumbrarme hacia tu risa olas que esfuman de mis ojos a una legión de tus recuerdos me roban formas de tu rostro dejando arena en el silencio te busco perdida entre sueños el ruido de la gente te envuelven en un velo te busco volando en el cielo el viento te ha llevado como un pañuelo viejo y no hago más que rebuscar paisajes conocidos en lugares tan extraños que no puedo dar contigo. En cualquier huella te persigo una sombra de dibujo huellas y sombras que se pierden la soledad la suerte no vino conmigo te busco perdida entre sueños el ruido de la gente te envuelven en un velo te busco volando en el cielo el viento te ha llevado pañuelo viejo y no hago más que rebuscar paisajes conocidos en lugares tan extraños que no puedo dar contigo That is Celia Cruz that you're listening to, and this is Anna for Indigo Radio. Every Sunday at 1 o'clock here in Brattleboro, we are spending the hour with Cynthia Espinoza of Nueva Esperanza, a community development organization in Holyoke that serves the Puerto Rican and Afro-Caribbean communities there. We're going to go to the second part of her interview in which she talks about the programs that are going on at Nueva. We have what we call programs, and I differentiate that. Programs are sort of ongoing, and our signature events are like one-off, really big aha. Mm -hmm. So we just started a partnership with the Masa de Familia, which is called Ruta del Sabor, which is, means um, the route of flavor, or the root of flavor. Mm -hmm. And this one, we give off free, culturally relevant food, but also resources. We're hoping to do workshops. This is every Friday from 12 to 2. And we are in need of a lot of volunteers. <laughs> we just had our first one last week. And within like half an hour, most of the food was gone and people were coming through. And it was really exciting to, to see folks from the community come over. And, That's and great, it's every week? It's every week. We just started every Friday. The goal is until June 24th based on funding, but the goal is to continue to find funding throughout the year. That's great. Yeah. 
And we're looking for donations for food or gift cards or anything that could help um, continue that on. We started food distribution during COVID times in partnership with Neighbor to Neighbor because we realized that even though there was a lot of food emergency areas that give up free food, many of them are not culturally relevant. Mm. Many folks did not know how to cook it or we had extra leftovers. So we're looking to be more specific and every week, every week give out a mystery box or bag for a recipe and ingredients um, that are more culturally relevant. So last week we gave out a bag of guanimes con bacalao. Guanimes is sort of like a, almost like a dough that you create. I never, I had it uh, for the first time from my partner and I was like, whoa, this is delicious. <laughs> and everybody makes it differently. You make it with flour, others make it with cornmeal and flour, others do it with corn. So it was really fun to learn that. This, this week, we're gonna do sofrito box. So this is sort of sofrito, is like a sauce and base that you use for almost all of the cooking that you do, um, mostly in the Caribbean. I, I know Puerto Rico and Dominican Republic uses it, and other islands and countries in the, in the Caribbean use it a dif- differently as well. So we're excited to, to continue every week to be like, here, you know, a box of making that. Um, the, uh, I'm gonna run to Corazon Project, this is a public art partnership with the city in which if you go down Main Street, you'll see all of the incredible artwork and more to come. Um, and we will be, the city is working on doing a state destination of Main Street to be the Puerto Rican culture area, mm. cultural district, sorry. Um, so we'll be the managers of that, including how, oh. to, yeah, how to continue to do artwork, you know, sort of public art related events and all the Local artists, yes, we have work with local artists, and we also just started a partnership with Beyond Walls in Lynn. They have done really large-scale murals, so mm-hmm. we'll be, we just selected our, um, some statewide and also artists from Puerto Rico that will be coming to Holyoke to do artwork. Wow, that's yeah. great. So we'll, we are looking to really increase that footprint of artwork coming in mm-hmm. um, and doing installations, which is really exciting. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And the two new programs that were um, in the work, so you know Luis is doing the Ganas Project, which is a men's group, a Latino men's support group. And I think what we really liked, and I would say I had a lot of hesitation (laughs) at the beginning, uh, because I, uh, well, I'm a UMass grad, I'm, you know, I have all these fancy degrees, which is, you know, that is what it is. But I also know the challenge when it comes to research and and community and how it can be toxic, it can be, uh, you know, the community can be used to be researched of all those four people, they need help and this is why and nothing happens. So I was really hesitant at the beginning. I was like, why are we doing a men's group? Prior to this, I really, I worked with the city in public health Mm -hmm. policy change and strategies and really saw that and I'm at the lingo, like looking at the social determinants of health. I would say Nueva has done that work. We just haven't named it that. Yeah. You know, we looked at housing, we looked at other things. Um, now seeing how it's important to create space, safe spaces for our community to come together and say, hey, you know, being a man, a Latino man uh, in our community is hard. And, and this is why. And really looking at the strategies, like why... It's a bigger system. Mm-hmm. So I was convinced. I was like, okay, Luis, I can, we can work together. <laughs> but uh, for a while, I was like, uh, 
I don't know, you know, and I think part of it is that in the past we tried to approach it and it was, it wasn't thought out completely out. I, I don't think it did work for that time, but now I just want to be more intentional in making sure that our community is not used for research. Um, Cause I've been there, I've been used as the token. Like, oh, you're Latina from Holyoke yeah. and you're getting an education, come and help out, you know. That piece, and I'm not saying not to do all, all that, go get an education and do that thing, but it's how to be more intentional when it comes to building relationships. Part of this program, and also looking at how can we continue to partner and say, yes, let's open the doors for that, is that we realize in the area, there is no such space created for men. Um, there is for you know some other things, like following the core, things like that, but when it comes to to that space of public health coming together of camaraderie, I think that's the word, <laughs> uh, brotherhood, whatever you know, we want to call it, um, it's really rare to find. So we're like, let's try it out and see. Yeah. And I think that also opens up with the, the next program that we're, um, we, we you know, apply for funding and we're looking to start this year is the Silvia Rivera Center. So Silvia Rivera was a well-known um, trans woman activist during the Stonewall activism. And we want to honor Sylvia's work by creating a center for many trans, non-binary, and LGBTQ plus um, individuals to come together to get some support, um, both mental health, we'll have, we're working with two clinicians um, to provide that support of like, what does it mean to be yourself in this world? Right, but also create this community um, and literally physical space to come over and like find a resource or just chill, watch a movie. And we're also being intentional of providing, um, again, being a cultural arts nonprofit, like how, this is how we gonna tell the story. What are some cultural and arts related films, books, artwork, all of that, that really speak to to this to our community so so we're excited for that to to create that space um we have a second floor office we're like okay this is going to be the center and we want to try to do like a mural honoring sylvia rivera you know like we really want to um make it a homey space (laughs) Mm -hmm. for that to come over um we do know that there's some lgbtq um support groups mostly for youth so this one we're hoping is more multi-generational or you know, open to all ages, but I think adults are sort of our target. So we're excited to to open that space for that. So those yeah, are sort of our great. programs to to really create these safe spaces um, to do that. And part of it, we do continue to partner. We can only do so much, right? Um, we cannot change the world, even though sometimes we feel like we could. Yeah, and we are, um, but we partner a lot. So we are, instead of hosting youth programs, which we have in the past, um, it's just right now we don't have the capacity. We've been partnering with um, agencies like Enlace de Familias who has new programs and we bring in this historical anti-racism lens of work mm-hmm. uh, through arts and culture. We're, we're partnering with the Holyoke Public Schools. Um, they're gonna be rezoning the whole district. That means that kids might be moved from school and what does that mean? And we're being really intentional being like, we need to be part of that conversation and design and make sure that our community members mm-hmm. are completely aware of what's happening. We are 
fiscal sponsors, um, and we have in the past, which is really exciting about the history. So there's been a lot of festivals in Holyoke, and Nueva has always been the fiscal sponsor. So this means like being able to help with um, the finance or the administration or logistical of of events in the city and festivals. So one of them is Fiestas Patronales, which uh, Fiesta Patronales de Holyoke um, really ties into these weekly festivals that happen in Puerto Rico in every town. And it's sort of celebrating uh, Patron. Patron is like a saint or something, a saint. <laughs> we decided that really ties in with the island and because of our increased, again, Puerto Rican population, we said, let's do a fiesta patronales. Um, we started announcing it and everybody was super excited. Usually you have a lot of vendors, live music, you have, I'm calling it La Machina, well, it's just like in Spanish, it's sort of like all these, um, sort of like the the wheel, the big wheel, I forgot the term. Ferris wheel? Ferris wheel, but like all the, all the, rides. the rides, oh my gosh, that's the word. <laughs> But in Spanish, it's just like machinas. It's like the machines. <laughs> oh, that makes sense. Yeah. I don't know why. That's like at least how I know it. The, machine, the machines. Um, so we'll have all of those as well, which is really just a really big family-friendly event. Mm-hmm. And this we're looking to do it more in downtown, um, which is really exciting. And we're looking to bring really great bands and have a family day and then other more adult-related days. So, so this is a really exciting way. Um, and this is when we're partnering with local... Um, Latinx businesses that are really excited to to bring in folks um, and continue to build festivals and events for our community. And then the other two is, well, I personally am the chair of the community. Collaboration and communication is a a mouthful uh, advisory group Mm -hmm. for the mayor. So I think we're all trying to see how as Nueva, as the agency, we can continue to work with other residents and give advice to the city when it comes to all of that. And part of that, we are also, like, it's called a leadership team. We're a little like, eh, what does that mean? But this is really looking at other wards. So the city is divided by wards, so we're in ward two. So we are in one of the partners when it comes to what can we do in this ward to maintain it clean or build community, you know exactly what folks need mm-hmm. in host events. So the sort of these different partnerships that we do. So we do a lot. <laughs> It was a mouthful, and I think part of it's intentional too because we have people come in, you know, asking for help, or we sort of know, and also our staff is from these communities too, so we we have lived experiences, so we want to be intentional if in being at the table to bring in that voice. That was Cynthia Espinoza from Nueva Esperanza in Holyoke. And if you're just joining us, this is Anna for Indigo Radio. We're spending the hour learning about the Puerto Rican and Afro-Caribbean community in Holyoke and Nueva Esperanza that does a lot of community work down there. We're going to go to a a quick break, and then we'll be back uh, with the last part of the interview. Sé que tú no tienes 
You're listening to Indigo Radio on WVEWLP, Brattleboro 107.7 FM, your community radio station. That was Oscar de Leon, and this is Anna for Indigo Radio. And uh, we're spending the hour with Nueva Esperanza, a community development organization in Holyoke, down in western Massachusetts, that predominantly serves uh, the very large Puerto Rican community down there. Uh, and Afro-Caribbean, and a shout out to Sergio, who is in the studio with me right now, and to uh, Pablo and Luis for all helping me find songs for the show. Um, Pablo and Luis are two of the people that are working on this uh, Ganes program that Cynthia talked about, and we're hoping to have Dr. Luis Valdez on the show next week to talk about this men's uh, group it is uh, a group for Latino men in the Western Mass area to come together to talk about their connected histories, uh, health, masculinity, and it's going to be in collaboration with Nueva Esperanza. I work with Luis Valdez at UMass, and like I said, we're hoping to have him on the show next week to talk about his work in in that area and with men and men's health. So we are going to go to the last part of this interview. And fittingly, because it is May Day, uh, Cynthia talks about the history of Puerto Ricans in Holyoke, which, of course, ties a lot to uh, work and um, what brought Puerto Ricans uh, from the island to the mainland. There's a very large population of Puerto Ricans in Holyoke. And Cynthia also talks about how Holyoke still today is called the paper city. It had a large textile industry. Uh, so we're going to go to that last part. Thanks again for tuning in today. I pers- I'm not from the community per se. I, I grew up in Puerto Rico, but I did uh, spend most of my teens and now 30s in, 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 in Holyoke, now uh, Puerto okay. Rico. Could you talk a little bit about yeah. um, why Puerto Ricans are in Holyoke? So the connection between Puerto Ricans and the, and is it true also that I've heard this statistic that there's more Puerto Ricans in Holyoke than in Puerto Rico? Yes. Is that correct? Yes and yes. So per capita. You, okay, per capita. Yeah, so I, from my understanding and, and what I learned and actually Something I learned also that is from my family. Mm-hmm. So many of the, Port- the initial Puerto Ricans that came to Holyoke, uh, I want to say back in the 50s, 60s, maybe around that time, many of them were farm workers that had um, what they call a USDA seasonal agriculture permit. And uh, it was interesting how I learned about this, and I can tell you the story. So. My, my father and my grandfather were farm workers in Connecticut, tobacco fields. And many, I think many elders that you talk in Holyoke, but many work there. So one day I was driving, we were driving by um, uh, Connecticut. My dad's like, oh yeah, I used to work in that farm. I was like, what, you were a farm worker? <laughs> you know, like, you know, tell me that story. He's like, yeah, I used to do tobacco, your grandfather too. And he used to have this pa- paper so that he can come from Puerto Rico. Yeah, so so he had this paper permit, right, of being a farm worker. And I was like, what? There's a paper that, you know, you got permission? 
So I went digging on the USDA website, um, and I found that there used to be a USDA contract that Puerto Ricans got permission to come and work during the season. And what is interesting, the timing that it happened, I'm trying to remember the date or the years, it was at the same time that a lot of farm worker union movement was happening. Mm-hmm. So it was almost like a replace, like how can we replace the farm worker work and continue to have low wages for farmers um, the need opportunity to come and, and work. So then you have an influx of Puerto Ricans um, in Connecticut, New, Jer- uh, New, York, New Jersey, mostly area. And many of them started slowly, you know, moving up, up the, the valley, really, up the New England area. Many obviously settled in Connecticut. Connecticut became pretty expensive. But also, at the same time, there was a lot of advertisement that a holy oath back in the day used to be the paper city mill. There was a lot of paper, soap, you know, factories. It's called the paper city, right? Yeah, and it's still known, it's still known as the paper city. Uh, so all these, most of these buildings actually, um, I would say, actually, we're, this building that we're at right now used to be housing. This was all created for the workers, mm-hmm. close to the canals. The canals are intentionally, actually, all the mills that are around it, they're hydropower. Pretty much this neighborhood was created for the workers, mm-hmm. for low wage, low income. So this is a design, right? So now you have an influx of farm workers coming into Holyoke looking to work at paper mills, right, to increase and go forward. There was also, like, other factories for, like, um, clothing and things like that. But at the same time, now the paper mills are closing or outsourcing. In somebody's eye that doesn't really know Holyoke in that that specific issue or anecdote of the history that paper mills are outsourcing, now you have an influx of brown people coming to Holyoke, right? Because before in Holyoke, you used to have French Canadian, Polish, Irish. Still a black community, even though it's erased, <laughs> right? And I, did, I recently learned also Holyoke used to be a sound downtown, which was like mind blowing. Sound downtown means that uh, black or African-American members could not, um, when the sound comes down, they cannot come, come out. So yeah, so now so going back to that, now you have a large Latino Puerto Rican population that's coming to Holyoke with no jobs. Mm-hmm. So there's been this narrative that because black and brown people came more, or more brown, you know, the mills left. Mm-hmm. So then you have this narrative of like, you know, brown people yeah. made yeah. the jobs go away, which was not true. but. But um, so then now the influx or the new industry that came out was nonprofits. Like, how can we support? Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's sort of where we're at now. Um, that's sort of the 80s, 90s, yeah? Yeah. Well, yeah, because this came up in 1992. Yeah. Okay. A lot of families then call in their families from Puerto Rico from throughout the state, um, mm-hmm. the United States, to come over. Um, I think the most recent influx was um, the Hurricane Irma and Maria in Puerto Rico. That's where we saw a lot of increase. I think during that year, there was over you know 300 new students in the public schools coming from Puerto Rico specifically, and many families you know were displaced in some way here. So we were able, we were one agency that were able to help with the housing and landlords to make sure that your cousin or your family's coming over and you can only have X amount of people in your apartment. Can we kind of have a leniency and not kick two families out now mm-hmm. um, so that people can see me there? Um, so we, we always try to help out when it comes to that piece. But 
That's sort of where we saw the, the bigger influx, most recent, obviously, due yeah. to climate refuge, you know. What would you say when you think about today, what would you name are the biggest challenges for the community here? Yeah, um, we are hoping to find out more, but I think part of it is, um, we know employment is always a challenge, and now with COVID, we definitely saw that. You know, many people were left laid off or reduced hours. Um, I think we do know childcare or sort of youth programming is always a need. Um, I would say, even though Holyoke is about close to 40,000 residents, I wanna say a, a majority, if not half maybe, that could be more, are people under 18. So we do have a large youth population yeah. um, in, in the city. So there's a lot of programs and a lot of activities around that. So I think it's a continual need. But also, these are gonna be our future leaders or they need work eventually, you know? So how can we continue to support? And I think um, part of that, what I've learned is also this really interesting cultural and identity processing. I don't want to call it crisis. Crisis came up. It's like it's not crisis. <laughs> it's processing of, of like, yeah, of like cultural processing. processing. I want to call it that. It's more learning, like you know, who am I? This is my, you know, my cultural, but also identity, and um, and really breaking some social norms too. Like we're open to the dad, and I think part of it is also here, uh, Nueva. Our leadership, or you know, we also can be role models. So how can we know that it's okay? Like I, well, you know, I recently came out of the closet and like coming up and saying, you know, even though it took me thirty plus years, like we still am, and I have successful and I've done this, and it's okay, you know, mm-hmm. to open up the doors for others. Um, so I think it's also being conscious of that, of like, in some way, what power we have. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Uh, and again, that privilege of like, yes, we can do that. Yeah. Um, and open up and see, or many others who unfortunately were incarcerated in the past due to systemic, systemic things. And, and why is that? We can still make it out um, and, and be successful, whatever that means, you know, and define what that means. So I think it's, part, it's intentional to, to also be able to show different examples. Mm-hmm. Um, and name it and honor it and say, yeah, this is this is important. One question I have, and it comes from my own experience in Delaware yeah. and you being in community organizing yeah. and, and service work, is that in Brattleboro there's um, a lot of uh, poor. Well, there's a lot of poverty yeah. in, in rural Vermont, and there's yeah. a lot of poor white people. Yeah, and there's also a lot of changing racial yeah. dynamics. Overall in rural America, yeah. but definitely in rural America. Sure. And a lot of my work uh, has been with, I would say, like low income, yeah. working class, or yeah. poor mm-hmm. white women. Because yeah. those are the mostly who we see come to the door. Sure, sure. Not that there's other people that yeah. are experiencing violence, but that's who yeah. we're servicing. And I feel like, as, for myself, as like an educator and organizer, and then having a bit of a foot in Western Mass, which is a very different racial dynamic yeah, from Vermont, yeah. is I'm always trying to figure out how um, 
we come together across racial lines and across identity lines. Mm -hmm. And I'm curious, and, and also as a teacher, because I yeah. teach at UMass, yeah. which, as you know, yeah. is a mostly white school, yeah. student yeah. population. And um, yeah, there's a, there's a lot of, there's also a number of students of color that I have in my class yeah. and trying to build solidarity also within the classroom. Of course. Them. And I would just love if you had any thoughts around that, working in this community, and maybe what you see here with, there is a very large um, Latinx population yeah. you're working with, but is there uh, ways in which you work with other groups, or yeah. what's the dynamics here? I'm just kind of curious about that. Yeah, I would say, and I think you identified, um, I think our connection, unfortunately, is systematic, right? Um, we do our communities, the communities that we serve, um, and and have been. I've been in that community too. It's like really low income, struggling, mm -hmm. trying to make it work in survival mode, right? So it's it's. I think that's sort of our connector, right? Where it comes to, we're trying to make it happen. We're trying to feed our family, or we're trying to wake up one day and, and feel good and like keep going. And I think that's our connector, <clears throat> and acknowledging that our experiences are very different when it comes to race. And also understand that when we bring up, you know, race or white supremacy or this bigger system that was created, it has been historically done for years and centuries. So it's gonna take years and centuries to undo it. And part of that, it starts with really being transparent and open and saying, you know, my experiences are valid, your experiences are valid. And there's also a system behind white experiences that they push it through even though you feel like you're struggling. Yes, you're right. It's, it's a system thing. It's not an individual, it's not a group of people. So I think it's being able to address it that way. And it's hard, it's really hard because again, we're all in survival mode really. Um, and we're all trying to better ourselves and Whenever we mention that, we as, we as in like our agency and individually as staff, um, we try to not do it personal. Like we're not saying, oh, you're white, so you're bad or whatever, <laughs> or you're this and that. It's no like we want to acknowledge it. And we also know that there's a bigger system out there. And I think part of that is educating ourselves of like, what does that even mean? Or what does these terms mean? Or, even we check in with each other, like if we see that somebody's saying something, like, okay, what does that even mean? Like, what can you elaborate in the most gentle way as possible? And I think part of that too is the whole white supremacy and colonialism and all that, all the terms, you know, that back in um, that, it's all written, right? And it's also acknowledging that we have to rewrite that or tell the, the other side of the story. So I think we're being very intentional creating space to tell the other side of the story mm -hmm. and saying that's valid. Mm -hmm. um, and I think what's really interesting um, that I have heard in the past is that, you know, some folks feel like, oh, why are you only focused on the Puerto Rican and Afro-Caribbean communities? Like, I see us as our agency as being that one space for our, our narrative and our stories and histories to be told to give you a different uh, point of view. So we're just one piece of a bigger puzzle <laughs> when it comes to that. 
and how can we make the space for other voices to come? You know, like we we are actually in our hall right now in our lobby. We have the Reliquary of Blackness um, exhibit, which tells the stories of blackness in Holyoke, the black in Holyoke. Again, you know, this community has been here, but there's no story or information. And it wasn't until the um, curator, Erica, who actually she was a student at UMass getting her doctorate, mentioned, um, you know, Holyoke used to be a sundown town and told the story of folks living here. I was, we were like, what? <laughs> you know? So, so it's also us learning about other communities that have been here yeah. and how to bring that voice up. Yeah, that's great. Thank yeah, you for welcome. That. Uh, is there anything else I haven't asked you that you um, want to comment on? I think the, the only other question I had was around your hopes for your community. Um, if you want to touch on that, yeah. or if you want to touch on anything else. I no, I think, I think my hopes for the community you have a, you are asking that, and I had a recent board member ask me that too. Yeah, and I think it sucks that I was like I'm in survival mode, making sure like we're good, we're going there. But then I like sat down, I was like, what is it? Um, and I think part of me is like I want this agency to, and like the hopes for the community is is to continue to be that space um, that it was back in the day, right? Of like coming together and saying hey, we need something, how can we organize around it? But I also, I think I'm being very intentional. I think I see my role. The community is how to build the next leader, you know, leaders for the community. Like, I would like to retire sometime, you know. I don't want to do this forever. I, <laughs> I would like to, uh, yeah, just, just sort of be in peace at the end. And I'm not, you know, I'm not saying I'm leaving or anything like that, but... I want to be able to build that leadership and that self-confidence that we can have of like, I can make a change because I was told, you know, when I was younger that I could not, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I was told you're going to follow the stereotype. Mm -hmm. So, and it was hard and, it and internally I'm still like, oh my God, <laughs> you know, but I want to continue to be able to like, how can I build the space for people to come and say, I want to make change. It's like, here you go. This is how you can make the change. So I think part of that is that, like, building, making a space for the community yeah. to find themselves, heal themselves, whatever you want to call it, um, to then go to be the best they can be. Okay, that was Cynthia Espinoza of Nueva Esperanza. Uh, she is the executive director there. And we want to give a big thank you to Cynthia for spending time with us with Indigo Radio and for all the great work that is being done in Holyoke. And as we continue to think about how we unite across space and different uh, issues that we, we are all struggling against. So thank you to Cynthia. Uh, it's great to learn more about that community. And we are going to go out today with a song called Residente. Uh, and, or I'm sorry, it's by Residente. And the song is This Is Not America. And we will be back next week. We're hoping that uh, we'll have Luis Valdez on to talk more about the men's group happening in Holyoke. Thanks all. Happy May Day. And 
We'll be back next Sunday at 1 p.m. Oye, que estamos aquí. Mérame, estamos aquí. Desde hace rato, cuando ustedes llegaron, ya estaban las huellas de nuestros zapatos. Se robaron hasta la comida de gato y todavía se están lamiendo el plato. Bien encabronado con estos ingratos. Hoy le doy duro a los tambores hasta que me acusen de maltrato. Si no entiendes el dato, pues te lo tiro en cumbia. Bossa nova, tango o vallenato. A lo calaboy bambú, bien frontú, con sangre caliente como Timbuktu. Estamos dentro del menú. Tupac se llama Tupac por Tupac Amaru del Perú. América no es solo USA, papá. Esto es desde Tierra del Fuego hasta Canadá. Hay que ser bien bruto, bien hueco. Es como decir que África es solo Marruecos. Estos canallas se les olvidó que el calendario que usan se lo inventaron los mayas con la Valdivia precolombina desde hace tiempo. Uh, este continente camina, pero ni con toda la marina pueden sacar de la vitrina la peste campesina. Esto va para el capataz de la empresa. El machete no es solo para cortar caña, también es para cortar cabeza. Aquí estamos, siempre estamos. No nos fuimos, no nos vamos. Aquí estamos para que te recuerde. Si quieres mi machete, te muerte. Aquí estamos, siempre estamos. No nos fuimos, no nos vamos. Aquí estamos para que te recuerde. Si quieres mi machete, te muerte. Los paramilitares, las guerrillas, los hijos del conflicto, las pandillas, las listas negras, los falsos positivos, los periodistas asesinados, los desaparecidos, los narcogobiernos, todos los que robaron, los que se manifiestan y los que se olvidaron, las persecuciones, los golpes de Estado, el país en quiebra, los exiliados, el peso devaluado, el tráfico de droga, los carteles, las invasiones, los emigrantes sin papeles, cinco presidentes en once días, disparo a quemar ropa por parte de la policía, más de 100 años de tortura, la nova trova cantando en plena dictadura, somos la sangre que sopla la presión atmosférica, Gambino mi hermano, esto sí es América. Te muerte, te muerte, te muerte.